I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Niskanen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, the time. Oh, the time is almost here. Training camps are about to begin. And pretty soon. The orange and black, your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers will be taking to the ice at Skate Zone in Voorhees. It is an exciting moment. It's a moment that has quite honestly felt like an eternity since the Flyers lost in game seven to the Islanders. And hockey is almost back. We're about to turn out of this year into the new year. And what better way to start the new year to say goodbye to 2020 then with Mr. Happy himself, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter and Instagram at Ant San Philly. Anthony, how are you, fella? I'm and doing how... great, Captain Eddie. How are you? You know, I don't <laughs> see it. I don't see it at all. At I, all. You knew I picked it out right away, right? Yeah. As soon as I, she I put the it. as soon as she put the picture up, why don't you tell everybody what we're talking about? So we have a uh, uh, one of our listeners who I'm trying to find her original tweet where she brought this up. I don't know if you have it on hand. Um, but one of our our listeners has thrown out a couple of times that she thinks I look like Captain Eddie from uh, what was the show? It was like one of the uh, isn't it like one of the Chicago was it Chicago like Fire, sh- right? Was it Chicago Fire? I don't know. It was one of one of those. I don't know. But she's thrown out a couple of times. It's uh, Jen Hope at Jen with two N's HK uh, brought this up and said that she she cannot not see me as uh, as Captain Eddie but then pointed out to you when you asked, does that mean that you have to start referring to me as captain, that it would make you then the chief. And I do want to point out also that like, we've had a couple of other things pop up. Uh, It was brought up yesterday that uh, you and I are the flyers outsiders for life. I brought up the fact that the, that NBC sports Philadelphia, not having us uh, do flyers outsiders after the flyers post game show is quite frankly, a, an offense. It is a personal affront to the hockey fan base that we have not been approached to be the flyers outsiders. And then that spawned a side conversation about who truly were the outsiders in WCW. Of course, everyone knows that's Kevin Ash and Scott Hall. The idea was thrown out that I'm supposed to be X-Pac who of course went by the one, two, three kid or six pack six pack when he was uh, with yeah, WCW. You'd look more not like one X- of the outsiders. You certainly look more like X-Pac. Oh, I'm absolutely more of an X-Pac guy, but when it comes to the outsiders, I'm certainly razor Ramon. I'm certainly Scott Hall. I will throw a toothpick in your eye. I did bring in the great Bill Meltzer to settle that score with Russ Cohen at Sportsology on Twitter. Of course, Bill Meltzer at Bill Meltzer. We're friends with all these fine folks. Um, anyway, I can't imagine you being big sexy, though. I can't imagine you with the flowing locks of Kevin Nash. So Big works. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were definitely going to give yourself credit for the sexy. So, all right. There's some ladies out there right now. Some guys. Everybody. Everybody's out there going, yeah, Anthony, I could, I could see it. 
I can see it or not. I don't know. Uh, but Anthony, uh, like we're, we're, we're very close here, right? We're, we're close to hockey coming back. We, I think are getting closer to some announcements uh, regarding our coverage of the team this, uh, this season. That would be very exciting um, for us. So I don't want to let that out unless you have an update on one of them, but um, some exciting stuff that no, I, I don't want, I don't want to say anything on. just yet, but we do have some exciting stuff coming. Yes. We're still in the, we're still in the finalization stages of one or two things that I don't want to put anything out there too soon, but yes, yeah. we are. Uh, let's just, let's just put it this way. The, the coverage will be expanded. How about that? I like that. I think that's is that fair. fair. Is that fair way to fair I way to put that's, it? That's a fair way. Okay. Uh, if either of these, either of these two things happen, it will certainly be expanded. If both of them happen, it would be uh, even bigger. Well, I so, think the, the expansion is happening regardless. It could yes. get, it could get really big. So it could. Yeah. yeah. So we have a bunch of tires in the, was it tires in the fire? Irons in the Irons fire? Irons in the fire. <laughs> Irons in the tire fire. Good. Yes. Yes. Um, but a, a lot to get into today. Uh, I threw out some questions on Instagram over at Snow the Goalie on Twitter at Snow the Goalie in Fleets. Anthony, I don't know if you've started messing around with Fleets yet on Twitter. Fleets. No, it's like the like stories. You know, it's like the story on Instagram or on Facebook. You know, I you know I never quite understood at the top of your Twitter feed. Yeah, I never quite understood the whole concept of stories. Why? It's like because pinning they, they, something, right? Yeah, like, but don't they go away after a while? Like, you know, I feel like the next 24 thing. hours. Yeah. So what's the difference if you put it in the timeline or in the story? Well, see, I, I would argue in this case, as much as I hated fleets conceptually at the start, if if you follow a lot of people, right, a tweet can get lost. And unless I go to look up your account specifically to see if you've tweeted today, it's possible that I miss it, right? Unless I have notifications set for specific accounts. If I put the tweet at the top in a fleet and somebody's going through and they might have missed it, it's sitting there at the top of their feed for them to hit and then they can look at it. Uh, so it's it's just an idea. But anyway, fleets are out there both uh, on the at Snow the Goalie account, at Joy on Broad. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on. Also, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie as well. We threw the questions out there as well. I feel like a lot of people have gotten off of Facebook. Um, the engagement is down there a little bit. And I've noticed that it's gone down since just before the election. So either people have deleted Facebook or have just taken it out of the rotation because of how toxic it got. Um, but we're there too. So if you're a Facebook user, by all means, you can follow us over there. And we, we continue to post updates, uh, including, uh, I didn't put the video there yet, but I put it on the uh, Twitter account of something that I'm sure we're going to get into today. A little uh, little sparring, if you will. Well, I think we got to jump captain. right into it. It's the, it's the most- You want to go right into it? What's the most- It's the most- recent news about the team okay. about somebody with the team right yeah. I, mean, I, I mean anything else that we want I mean, we could talk about the questions that people have and the you know, your polls and all that stuff is good and you put that stuff out in advance of uh claude Giroux's availability to the media um but then something happened in claude Giroux's media availability that was pretty pretty uh pretty entertaining russ when you say so yeah i mean i don't have the uh the audio clip to wire through the uh the most perfect way but i do have it here on my phone i'll play it from my phone it's not going to be perfect but just bear with me so let's set a little bit of context claude Giroux meets with the media first uh, time since the uh since september bubble. right when the team was eliminated yeah. from the playoffs um he is uh naturally stoic um he is quite reserved in a lot of these settings and the philadelphia inquirer sam carcitti 
led off the uh, availability with the following question. You are almost 33. Do you have to train differently at this age compared to how you trained at 23? Do you have to train harder than you did earlier in your earlier years? Now, unless I'm wrong, I'm guessing that this was a response to Elaine Vigneault comments from back around the bubble, where it was brought up that guys like Claude Giroux are at a different stage in their career and that they're going to have to reassess how they approach an off season and how they approach ramping up for another season. Go ahead. Add some yeah. Comments. And so the, the only thing, it, it, I don't have a problem with the question. I really don't. I think the question is a fine question. I think where Sam misses the boat is making it the first question of the press conference. Now to the, in Sam's favor here, we, you know, we're raising our hands on zoom and, they're calling on whoever they call on, right? So, you know, we all have our hands up in the Zoom and whoever the PR guy calls on is who's going to get called on. So Sam happened to be the first person called on and this happened to be the first question. That said, you know, you're going to get the guy for, you know, 10 minutes or so. Maybe you save this question. Maybe your first question uh, in your head, at least if if you're the first person to go, has to be something like, what's your off season been like, et cetera, et cetera, how have you, you know, whatever. Rather than jump into, well, you're 33, you know, you're you're getting to that age. That said, Drew gave it, you know, he responded, he gave an answer, you know, basically, basically saying, well, you know, it's, it's not completely about age at this point. Um, you know, you, 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 over time, you learn what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And and you make that part of your off season regimen. I mean, that's basically what he said. Um, so he, he didn't, he basically said, no, it doesn't really have anything to do with age. Then a few questions go by <clears throat> and then Sam comes back. All right. Let me see if I, if I do this up correctly, <laughs> and, here we and, go. And this is, this was, this was go pretty ahead. funny, actually. Oh, you got it? Yeah. Yeah. Let me know All if right. it, just go give ahead. me a nod if it comes through. Okay. Yeah. Gee, a lot of players now are playing a lot longer than they did say even 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, what do you, have you set a goal on what you want to play to like 38 or 39 or, or whatever? And how many real good years do, do you think you have left? Sam, I don't know what's uh, your idea with uh, all these questions uh, about my age. Uh, not worried about my age right now. Uh, you can keep asking me those questions, but uh, I feel great right now and I'm excited for the season. <laughs> so a couple of things. One, uh, the face is stoic to start. There is a small smirk at one point. And at first I thought, oh, he's being playful with it. And then I think there was a moment in there where it was almost incredulous. It was almost a, who the hell do you think you are asking me that question? And yeah. I have to say, I, you know, I've, I've said a few times in the past that I, I'm not a fan of the fact that like after games uh, during a, the down 18, 19 season, that he wasn't at the forefront. He wasn't one of the first guys out of the locker room to answer questions in a tough year. It was younger players. I've been critical of that. This was a moment where I don't know what it was, but like I started cracking up and I was, I was doing this press conference uh, while my wife was feeding our daughter and she kind of like lost it too. Like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. That's he just asked a question about Giroux's age. Why is he doing it again? And she saw the look on his face and she said, nah, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Yeah. So I'd encourage people to go over to the, the Twitter account at Snow the Goalie. I'm going to put it on the Instagram account. It'll be up there by the time you go to, to check this out. And over on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. Watch the clip and watch Giroux's face as it's, as it's going down. 
what was your interpretation? You've known Claude Giroux for, for the entirety of his career. Yeah. I, I think that you, you nailed it. I think he was kind of in, incredulous. I think he kind of looked at it like, I think his thought process is this. It's the beginning of the season. Usually media availability at the beginning of the season is a lot more, you know, laid back. It's a lot more, you know, how you've been kind of thing. You know, a little, there's a little bit more give and take, you know, it's not as intense conversation, not as much scrutiny at this time of year. Um, and so the questions are kind of, you know, innocuous in a lot of ways. It's more like, you know, hey, we're just giving you some guys that are going to be available so you have something to write about because there's really nothing else to really talk about at this point. And that's usually what these early season, uh, preseason availabilities are all about. So to come out, to have Sam come out, you know, he asks the one question and, and I, Giroux gives him the answer. And then he follows it up with another question about his age. And I think Claude was just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the, we're in preseason. Like we're not, you know, you ask me, ask me that question midway through the season, if I'm struggling kind of thing, and then I'll get, you know, and then I'll give you an answer and I understand why you're asking it, but why are you asking it now? Um, and I, you know, I put a story up on, on crossing broad um, th that kind of takes you through the timeline as to why this is being discussed. He had a down year last year, didn't have, it wasn't productive in the playoffs, um, and then, of course, Vigneault says that older players need to work on, you know, their conditioning. Um, but I think what we kind of lost in that translation of what A.V. was trying to say was the fact that, you know, it's not like these guys, I mean, weren't in peak condition in March when the season paused. It was more that they were back to where you normally are in August and September leading into a new season. And I think he expected them to be, where they were when they left off in March. And so I think that that, that downtime, that off time, um, again, gyms were closed. You couldn't really go anywhere. I mean, you were only, you were training in your house. Um, so it was tough for players and not just on the flyers, for players on, on every team. And, you know, and I think that, that it kind of caught up to the flyers maybe a little bit more because maybe they didn't have the, the um, uh, they, they were operating on a little bit of a, uh, thin profit margin when it comes to their skating ability, right? I mean, if, if you want to, if you want to compare, you know, Hey, the flyers were at their best skating in February and March when we were seeing them at the end of the season there. And that's what they were hoping to carry through into April and May in the playoffs. And then they ended up taking four months off and there's no way you can maintain that. And so they probably took that step back because they're not, they weren't a fast team to begin with. We already know this. This isn't a, this isn't a surprise. We're not saying anything like, Oh my God, they really aren't a fast team. Like everybody knows that the flyers aren't a fast team. So I think that you, you add all these things together, you know, not a great season for Giroux, not scoring in the playoffs. Vino makes the comment that he makes and you automatically assume, Oh, well, Claude Giroux's getting old and you know, he can't play anymore. That's, the, and that's kind of where I think the questioning is heading and I think Giroux recognizes it and like, what are, you, what are you trying to say? Like, are you trying to say that I can't, I can't play the game anymore? Like what you're asking me where, what I think is my end game, how many good seasons I have left. Like, what are you trying to get at Sam? I think that's what, what Giroux's res responding to. And I think I, and I, <laughs> I thought his response was great. You know, I thought it was spot on. He's like, I, you know, I, I feel great right now, man. Like I, I feel really good. And to, to be fair, he is only about to turn 33. It's not like he's about to turn 37, right? I mean, so there are good players in the league who play, you know, 33, 34, 35, and that's when it usually starts to 
to kind of tail off for, for the best players, right? Right around 35 in, in hockey. So, I mean, Giroux's still there. I mean, he's, he just, yeah, coming off a bad season, but man, it was, it was a completely unexpected, like, you know, we know going into conversations with Claude Giroux that we're probably not going to get a lot. Um, we're probably just going to get some, you know, pretty pat answers from Claude. Um, and it was an unexpected little uh, side piece to it. And, and it kind of leads to the, Russ, the, the story that I ended up writing today, which is, you know, Drew's going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder now. And I followed up that question. I wasn't planning on following up Sam's question, but I did. I followed up Sam's question, asking him if he felt he had a chip on his shoulder after last season, because like you could see that he was annoyed by these questions. And so to me, I wanted to say, hey, you know what, is, is this something that you think can translate into, you know, you having a bounce back year. And at first I thought he was going to give me the answer that I wanted because he said, yeah. And he said, you know, I, I didn't like the, it left the bad taste in my mouth the way last season ended. I'm like, okay, this is perfect. And then he kind of, kind of twisted it into a, more of a team oriented answer than an individual answer. And that's fine. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, it did say some good things in there about how they have to look at what they did right, what they did wrong, and they have to be willing to talk about it and understand it as a group. Um, and that's all fine. Um, but knowing Claude the way I do, he's going to come out and he's going to, he's going to play his ass off this season. Whether it, whether it turns into production numbers or not, remains to be seen but you're not going to see a guy look out of place out there he's going to he's going to try his his damnedest to be as good a player as he can be i was going back and forth with one of our contemporaries one of our colleagues on press row about i think that the most important thing for flyers fans to do for flyers media to do is to change what their expectations are for claude Giroux for this season and going forward and we talked about this i think late in the postseason run but the idea of the, the days of Claude Giroux competing for, uh, I, I don't know, would we even say that that he at, at some point could be in contention for uh, an individual award of any kind of substance? Probably not at this point in his career. Is he a guy who's going to go out and rack up 30 goals and 50 assists? Probably not. Is he going to be the guy that people think they should be getting for over $8 million a season? Probably not. But that is to say that sometimes guys get paid for their current form and some guys get paid for past achievements. And Claude Giroux's contract at this point and going forward is repayment of everything that he'd done to this point in his career. And the Flyers aren't unique in that. That happens with players. If you adjust your expectations to be this guy is going to be a top line performing wing who has the ability to still be dangerous on a power play, who can fill in at center when lines need to be shuffled, and who is still a guy that people in that locker room look up to uh, and follow the lead of, that's what you're getting with Claude Giroux. If you're expecting that young dynamic player who looked ready to, well, not looked ready to, Sam Carcitti himself said, Sidney Crosby passed the torch to Claude Giroux. If you're looking for that Claude Giroux, you're not going to get that. But if you're looking for a reliable veteran who's going to go out and, and still have an impact on games, then then that's what you're going to get. But it's it's um, it's an exercise in futility to try to compare what he is and what he will be 
and try to align that to the salary he's making. It yeah. just will not happen. Yeah, and, I mean, and by the way, if, if we wanted to, we could take Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier and say that for what Sean Couturier is getting paid and what Claude Giroux is getting paid, you could swap them. So if you wanted to play the cap game, where one guy is in his prime coming off of a Selkie win versus what Claude Giroux is right now, fine. The number is offset. One's getting underpaid. One's getting overpaid for their current production. Fine. But adjust your expectations. Otherwise, you're always going to be disappointed with what this guy does. And he's not going to, he's not moving. He's not going anywhere else. So that's where you're at. And until anybody who's assessing this team and where they're at comes to grips with that, you're inevitably going to be frustrated with this guy. Yeah. And one thing I want to, I want to say is, is, you know, I'll take us back a year and a half for us, you know, when the flyers made the trade for, for Matt Niskanen, um, for example, and we talked about it on, on, on this very podcast, and one of the things I remember saying at the time was, hey, this isn't a bad deal. Um, yeah, Niskanen didn't have a great year the year before, but he's 12 months removed from being on the top pair of a Stanley Cup champion. And he was really good for the Capitals the year they won the Stanley Cup. So to me, this is a good trade. And it turned out that he actually had a much better season you know, with the Flyers than he did in his last year with Washington played on that top pair, really helped Provorov come along, stabilize the defense, turned out to be a pretty good trade, right? So if you do something in a comparative way uh, with Giroux, not to say that, you know, you're trading anything or here, but, you know, Giroux had a down year, but you are just one season removed from him averaging more than a point a game. He had 85 points in 82 games in 18-19. If you go back two seasons before, you know, the season before that, that's when he should have won the Hart Trophy with 102 points uh, in 82 games. I mean, so you're really looking at it's not that long ago that he was one of the best players in the sport, not just in, on your own team, but one of the best players in your sport. And so, yeah, he had a bad season. He's, he's sprinkled in a couple of those in his career, um, you know, but it, it, the, the ups have been more than there have been downs. And so when you look at it, you don't you can't look at money. It's a, it's not your money, right? So how teams value players, don't just sit there and say, um, well, they value him as an $8 million a year player. Okay, fine. Another team may have valued him as more than that, right? And paid him $10 million. Who, who knows? The, the economics of hockey fluctuate more than any other sport. Um, and it's going to be even more so with COVID um, than ever before. You're probably looking at guys of Drew's caliber getting contracts in the next two years that are half of what Giroux got. And you're going to sit there and say, well, he's making $8 million a year. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, John LeClaire, when he was signed by the Flyers pre-2004 lockout, before, I mean, it, it was, this was, again, you talk about paying a guy for past, uh, you know, past production. He was making $9 million a year pre set this was before they had a salary cap 16 years ago. So to think that the end of John LeClaire's career and you got a player like Giroux for less money in the, in what is still the, probably the back end of the prime of his career, but the, still the prime of his career, you got to look at it and say that that's an affordable contract in a lot of ways because of how the, the economics of the sport has changed. So like, to me, it's, 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 you look more at the whole thing. Yes, he should have been more productive. But if you look at his look at his analytical numbers, you know, he's a he's a puck, he's a possession guy. 
He's a, you know, he drives the play. He's a play uh, driver. He creates chances. He's the best face-off guy in hockey. You know, uh, now granted, you know, he has the advantage of being able to draw one side while Couturier draws the other. So their numbers are a little elevated because they draw in, on their strong side almost all the time. Um, but nevertheless. The counter to that is as a player, you you deal with the hand that you're dealt. Yeah, exactly. Right? So you, you can't you can't blame those circumstances on yeah, him either. Yeah, he's been a better he executes defensive. He executes what he's expected to execute. Yeah, he's been a better defensive player over the last three seasons, four seasons, than he was earlier in his career. So th- there's a lot to sit there and say, Claude Giroux still plays the game at a very high level. Could he have been better production-wise in 2019-2020? 100%. Could he have produced more in the playoffs? 100%. Yes, those things... But at the same time, there could be a number of reasons that we don't know that aren't really directly related to him that could kind of led into that, that could have been part of that, you know? And I think that part of the answer that he gave to me when I asked about having the chip on his shoulder, and he said, you know, we have to look at the things we did well and, and look at the things we didn't do well and be able to talk about them. I think that's an interesting sentence because to me, if you break that down, that's Drew saying you know what, there's probably things that I wouldn't have done, but I did it because we were doing it in the team, within the team structure. He actually gave that answer to you too, talking about Travis connecting. When you asked him about connecting, not performing in the playoffs, it kind of said the same thing. Like, we're not worried about TK. We know what he can do. There are things that we had to do as a team. And yeah, that didn't, you know, allow us, you know, we have to play a certain way. And so maybe because of that, maybe that, you know, they're saying, we're going to sacrifice a little bit offensively to do things right defensively. And that's going to make us a better team. And if that's the case, uh, then I'm okay with Claude Giroux being a 60 point player, 65 point player, instead of a 100 point player, if it's going to make the team better, you see what I'm saying? So there are other things that kind of tie into it. We want to sit here and, and point fingers. And sometimes it's, you know, fingers pointing is deserved, but sometimes it's, it's way too much. And we have to understand the underlying reasons why. That was a lot. That was a lot of stuff you said. Thanks. That must be what it's like talking to me, right? <laughs> Every uh, time. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think that at this point, uh, I want to dive in a little bit into the the question that I asked him about Konechny because to to give a little bit of context, based on the – the way that these media availabilities have gone have been similar to what they were in the spring, uh, with the difference being that uh, we're not getting you mean the, the question. Of, sorry, yeah, yeah, about um, what does Kevin Hayes bring to the locker room? We finally have gotten past that. I think the rest of the media have finally come around to understanding what Kevin Hayes brings to the locker room. Um, Travis Konechny was a guy that was so important to the team during the regular season, which is the way that I kind of not hedged this question, but, but let off, but he was so critical to them. And then the postseason struggled, but you know, people make a big deal out of what kind of a leader is Claude Giroux because you don't see this extreme extrovert on the ice. Right. And so then the question becomes like, is he too soft-spoken Do the guys not respect him? All that. We can get into that in a second because Phil Myers actually had a really good uh, uh, quote about that today as well. But 
about making sure that Travis Konechny doesn't get caught up in the postseason struggles and returns to form because it's so important for the team. And, you know, he, he went along with that. Um, but he, he said, I'm not worried about TK. I don't think anybody is the playoff experience that we had, including myself and TK, pretty much all the players we were able to learn from that. Anytime we play as a team, maybe the points weren't there like they, like they were during the regular season, but we're trying to play as a team to win. You need to play as a team. TK is going to have a good year. He's a great player. And this is the thing that stood out to me. He's become one of our leaders. We're not worried about him. And the reason that that stands out is because a couple of years ago, um, the first year that I was covering this team with you, I said to you that it felt like there was a real chasm between the younger players on the roster and the vets. Nobody really wanted to take full responsibility for what was happening uh, in a tumultuous and, and overall ineffective, awful waste of a, of a season of a lot of guys primes. Mm -hmm. And the fact that now here we are two years later. And one of the young guys who I think people wanted to see step up to the plate apparently has done so has done so to enough of an extent where the captain is now saying outright that this guy is one of the leaders on the team. And that kind of, I think should give people a, a little bit of solace in knowing that like, he's not just a guy who's chirping on the ice. Right. So like, if you want to think of, of Konechny and Giroux as like yin and yang, right? Like one is definitely an extrovert on the ice. That's Konechny chirping at people calling Malkin a nerd. And then Giroux, who seems soft-spoken and, and people aren't really too sure about. I think it has to give fans and, and anybody who cares about this team a, a little bit of a boost to know that one of these young guys has, has made an impression in that locker room. And that when you start to think about, you know, Claude Giroux's not going to play forever. Jake Voracek isn't going to play forever. Knowing that there is somebody else in addition to like Sean Couturier that can serve as a leader on this team long-term is a good thing. And by the way, he's a kid that you drafted. It's not somebody that you had to go out and bring in to help bring stability and leadership to the locker room like Kevin Hayes did. I think that's a good thing. In your experience covering the team, how big is it for a, a guy at Konechny's age to step up and to be recognized as a leader by one of the elder statesmen and more important players on the leadership side in this organization? Well, I think we've. I think you'll agree with me when I say this, Russ. In the time that you've been covering the team in person, you've seen Travis Konechny kind of grow up in that locker room a little bit, right? I mean, he yeah. was that first year that you covered him. He was maybe a little bit more of a, you know, shoot from the hip, young player kind of. And that's what kind of led you to believe that there was that little bit of a chasm there. And, and you kind of saw over the course of the two seasons and into last season how he really started to develop a, a different personality. And, you know, he became part of that core and he became a guy that, you know, that you can go to and talk to. And, you know, he wasn't, you know, annoyed with having to talk to the media and he would have fun with you. And like, he really started to feel like it was his locker room to be a part of. Um, and, and maybe that's, maybe that was, you know, Kevin Hayes coming in. We talked about how important he was to that locker room. Right. Um, maybe that had a, a little bit to do with that, but I think it's fair to say that the next set of guys after your current, your current cat, you know, captain is Giroux and your three alternates are Couturier, Hayes, and, um, and uh, who am I missing? Uh, Voracek, right? Or your three A's. Um, the next set of guys who are going to get letters are Travis Konechny and Ivan Provera. And I think it's, I think it's fair and it, to say that. And I don't think that there's anyone else who would, who would be ahead of them. 
I think they're next on the list. I mean, the only other person I can think of who could conceivably fit into there, but that he's not under contract right now uh, for long term is, is Lawton. Yeah, um, that, that, yep. that would be the only other name I could th- that I would put in there without him signed beyond, you know, beyond this season. I, I, can't. I would say Lawton is, is more of um, that, that ancillary group that, yeah. is tangentially affiliated with the the leadership core that might not need to have the letter on the sweater to feel yeah. the the ability yeah. to speak up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, JVR's that. I mean, he's their union rep, right? So he's a, he's he's a a voice in the locker room. He's been around a long time. Doesn't wear a letter, but he's he's that uh, as well. I'm sure Justin Braun is going to have to take on a little bit of that role for the defense this year. Now that Niskanen's gone, um, so I mean, there's going to be guys who are always like that, who like you said, the tangential group. But I think ultimately, if you're looking, you know, say to me, Anthony, who are your captains and alternates three years from now? It's Couturier, Hayes, Konechny, Provorov. That's assuming that one of them doesn't get traded. <laughs> yeah, true. This is true. This is true. By the way, I put out a um, – so the, the question about Line a came up again uh, over the weekend. Yeah. And um, I think it was yesterday. Somebody said, oh, well, you know, uh, it was it was uh, Roslovich, right? Roslovich, Roslovich, Roslovich? Roslovich, Roslovich, you know. Um, from Winnipeg. Yeah. And it was uh, LeBron who put out that his agent said that he wants out of Winnipeg. He's 23 years old. And that is a name that I know had been um, bantered about. It was a name that would have made sense given the outrageous asking price that Winnipeg had of the Flyers in the Patrick Line deal that a guy like, say his name Roslovich. again. Yeah. Why isn't it Roslovich? It's Roslovich? Maybe right, it whatever. is. Who knows? Yeah, we'll go. We'll go with I'm either. saying it confidently. You are. Yeah, say it with confidence, Anthony. Um, but a, a guy like that, that's 23 years old, that's an RFA that probably won't break the bank and could be somebody that you could build your your bottom six around. There, there is value there, especially if if you think he's a higher ceiling and maybe he can end up being like a, a second line player for you. Then cool. Um, I would guess that if he is available, that that's a player that maybe Chuck Fletcher looks at making a call about. But that is not the kind of player that is like the the blow up part of your team uh, or raises your ceiling all that much. Yeah, that's I, like I, if you're trying to get like some cost, um, like getting uh, cost, cost assurance. Yeah. yeah, cost certainty. That's worthy. Um, I, I can tell you that when the Flyers were talking with Winnipeg about Line A, that his name certainly came up in those conversations. Um, um, between Chuck Fletcher and Kevin Sheveldayoff, the GM of the of the Jets, um, and you know there was a lot of back and forth. I mean, these two teams talked a lot. They exchanged a lot of ideas. Um, and while the Jets didn't really come off of the price tag, and you know ultimately the deal didn't happen, again that doesn't mean that it's not something that you know won't be revisited at some point um, this season. Uh, so it's that the potential is there. Um, I don't think Chuck is going to make much in the way of changes to the roster going into the start of the season. I think that the Flyers like the fact that they were able to bring back most of the same team from last year. 
um, into a time when there is no exhibition, there's very little training camp, no exhibition games at all. And they're going to be playing all division games. Um, and every game is a four point game, right? Every game matters twice as much as usual. So I, I think that the Flyers like the fact that they have the co- more continuity than most in that regard. Um, they'll know quickly if that was the right call or a misread. And I think that that will dictate whether Chuck tries to do something in season or not. Um, if, if he, you know, what they banked on was correct and the Flyers are really good and competitive towards the top of the division, he maybe leaves well enough alone until the April trade deadline. And then what do we need at that point? Let's add to it then. If after, you know, eight, nine games, the Flyers are struggling towards the bottom of the division. This looks a lot like it looked in August against the Islanders where there was a lot of frustration. Um, uh, okay, maybe we misread that. Maybe we go and make make a big move now. Um, so I think that that, but I, I don't, I don't knock the approach. I think it's a smart approach for Fletcher to take, and he has the flexibility in season that a lot of teams aren't going to have um, to be able to do something like that. And so that, to me, it was a, it was a really savvy thing to sit back, even though you knew could we improve this team? Yes. Will we have to overpay to improve this team? Yes, let's not do that and wait and see if this team can still be as successful as it was on its own. And then if the answer is no, then we'll make the changes down the line when we have a better sense of where the finances are for this for the sport. I think that was kind of a smart move by Chuck Fletcher. So I'm going to I'm going to give him a, you know, a, a thumbs up for not making those trades and not changing the roster at this point. So I will say I that is one place that I was definitely wrong about. Uh, this offseason I I did expect them to make a deal before the regular season started it doesn't mean that they won't do it now but the idea of blowing up any part of your team in a meaningful move which is to say like that's not a Shane Goss Morgan Frost and like a first round pick trade some people consider that to be a, a real big haul I was this is a, an aside but like I always find it interesting when a when a guy comes up in in trade rumors or somebody that wants to move on from their team and Flyers Twitter then says all right give them uh give them we can maybe part with Frost but we'll give them Ghost uh maybe Braun and a first it's like who's who's taking that package and why and why does that team hate their fans is pretty much what you should say um I think at this point the only way that a deal gets made that is in any way, shape, or form a meaningful move that that drastically improves the ceiling of the team is if the Flyers are a top two, maybe top three team in the Eastern Conference, 20-odd games in, and Chuck does the calculus in his head and says, all right, we know that we only have X number of years of Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek at this level, we clearly, if that's the case, if they're a top two team in the conference, you assume that many of their younger players have found a way to continue to, to increase their contribution. That would probably mean that Nolan Patrick is healthy and that Oscar Lindblom is back to form. That's the moment where there could be a big trade because that's the moment where you decide, all right, we might have to mortgage part of the future and maybe part with somebody that it's going to hurt to part with, but we think that we are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And what teams truly believe versus what they say in public do not always line up. 
So every GM is going to say, yes, we believe we have a chance to compete for the Stanley Cup. They don't actually mean that. But if they do that internal evaluation and they say, you know what, this move will push us over that hump. This move will get us to the Eastern Conference final uh, and maybe even the Stanley Cup final. That's when they make it. I don't see any kind of move uh, ahead of that timeline. The only thing that I could maybe see is Chuck sat on having this number of defensemen in the hopes that, you know what, if somebody goes down during this abbreviated training camp for another team, if a, a team loses a defenseman for a, a long-term injury at some point um, and they're a contending team and they do some cap flexibility, a little bit of cap gymnastics, you know, maybe you can offload a guy. Um, I'm trying to think, wasn't it Tampa lost? Um, wasn't it? It was Tampa that lost. Uh, what's his face for the entire regular season. Oh yeah. I, um, uh, oh, leading scorer from last year. Um, <laughs> I might drop Russian name. Oh. It was, it was Hedman. <laughs> he right? No, not Hedman. No, no, no. 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 Um, no. um oh, oh. <laughs> it'll come to me in just a second. Uh, Kucherov. Kucherov. That was, yeah. It. Hedman <laughs> got hurt in the postseason. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So Kucherov's out for the year. Yeah. Uh, well, at least for the regular season, they think that he'll be back for the postseason. Right. Um, now that doesn't necessarily mean anything, you know, the captain gymnastics are going to be whatever, but there are going to be teams that are going to try to take advantage of that situation, potentially, depending on again, how the cap is going to work out. All it takes is a contending team to lose one player. And all of a sudden some scenarios that were not in play previously, all of a sudden can come into play. And so I, I'm thinking that there might be a chance that at some point, a few weeks into the season, if we see something like that, then okay. You know, maybe that's where Chuck has been waiting for that moment to leverage uh, a team's misfortune against them. And that's where we see a trade. I am honestly surprised that no real move of substance has been made at this point. But I think you might be right. Like maybe that ended up being the best thing for this team. And just because you didn't make a move doesn't mean you were wrong. Whereas in the past, I think it would have been safe to say that it would have been a missed opportunity. I'm not so sure this time. Yeah, I, I think you're. I, I think you're right. Um, and I, I'm I'm slightly distracted here, Russ, because we have some breaking news. Go on. Um, it's not flyer related, but we have breaking news that's uh, I think important. Uh, it's going to be important for the next two weeks. Um, so it looks as if the American Hockey League's uh, Board of Governors um, has announced that uh, they have approved a structural framework for a season to begin on February 5th. Now, the important thing is, is they don't know how many teams are going to be able to make it work. Okay, so uh, like Chuck talked about in his press conference with us last week, um, there might be teams who don't play this year. Uh, and then teams are going to have to loan players to other teams, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be an interesting thing. But I, I think that, that that's kind of an important bit of news today because it will really allow, guarantee the NHL teams, and in, in this case the Flyers for sure, that there's going to be a season in the AHL. I'm pretty certain that Lehigh Valley will play. Um, I think that they're one of the one of the halves as far as financially in the AHL. Um, so I think that, <laughs> excuse me, they will play. Um, and I think this will loan itself to, for the flyers to sit there and say, who are we going to keep on the taxi squad? Who has to go back down to the AHL? You're only talking about what? 22 days. So three weeks, 
um, before that season begins, they're probably going to have the same thing, like a two week training camp or 10 day training camp. So that even that cuts it even more. So you're sitting there saying, do we want to keep a guy like Morgan Frost on the taxi squad for the first 10 days of the season? Um, And then if he needs more time in the AHL, you know, then he goes down and plays in the AHL and we put a a more veteran player on that taxi squad. Um, It gives it basically gives the flyers an extra 10 days with a guy. Um, Same thing with like a Jaeger Zamula. uh, So those kinds of players, do you really get an opportunity to see them practicing with your team every day, not just during training camp, but for the first 10 days of the season, 10, 12 days of the season. Um, And then make a decision as to whether they stay on the taxi squad or they go down to the phantoms or, you know, do you sit there and say, okay, we're going to bring the, the more veteran guys up and let the guys who need the development with the phantoms go down and start practicing with them and get, you know, get games in before we make a, any further transactions during the year. So I think, I think that there's a lot, uh, a, a lot to be considered there. And I think that it, it changes a lot of things knowing that the AHL is actually going to play this year when it seemed like there for a while that they might not at all. No, it definitely is a positive. And it's something that, you know, I think a, a lot of teams had worried about. And and I think we said this on the last show, or it might have been two shows ago, but the AHL having a season is big, not only for the prospects that are trying to crack their way into the lineup at the NHL level, but also for those those journeyman players who are trying to prove that they still have what it takes. And especially yeah. because of the use of taxi squad this year, there might be a few vets that, you know, teams are going to feel more comfortable. Veteran coaches like an Elaine Vigneault might be more comfortable having some kind of a, you know, a, a crew of veteran players who um, he might deem more reliable than having to go with a, an inexperienced young player, you know, for an extended period of time. Um, I do think that it ends up working out well. I think it's certainly a better option than what we had talked about previously about potentially having to, to loan guys out to European teams and then be subject to weeks worth of quarantine. Um, I did want to get your uh, opinion on this because a lot of this is obviously COVID related, but um, the Pennsylvania governor, Tom Wolf announced that the current restrictions uh, related to the virus are going to expire January 4th, that there is no plan at this time to extend those. Uh, It then stands to reason that maybe that gives a little bit of a green light to uh, teams, depending on what their local municipalities end up doing. you know, advocating for, is there a scenario where some of the most passionate Flyers fans who are hoping, praying to get into games this season are able to do so close to the start of the season? Or do you think that the league and and maybe even the team are going to take a more conservative approach? I I don't think you're going to see fans at games until April. Fans in Philadelphia or fans in Philly. Uh, across the national hockey league. Philly. Okay. And I think, I think certain cities you're going to have it. I mean, for, for Pete's sake that, you know, the Dallas Cowboys have 32,000 people at their home games, which is basically an indoor stadium. Right. Um, so I, I could see teams like the Dallas stars and the Tampa Bay lightning and, you know, Florida Panthers, not that they draw many fans anyway, but I think you're going to, you're going to see, you know, teams in States that have, um, a little bit more lax rules uh, as far as COVID is concerned um, may have fans in sta- in the stands sooner. Um, 
as many as, you know, even right off the bat, as many as maybe 5,000. I think the Stars are going to have 5,000 people um, for their first first home game, for example. So I think you're going to see it around the league. As far as here, yeah, you know, the governor may, you know, lift his uh, restrictions uh, and at this time have no plans to put them back in place after January 4th. I get it. Um, but the city can supersede that and say, well, we're not, I mean, they did it before, you know, we're not allowing anything to happen um, for another month or two after, I mean, whatever the city decides to do, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, maybe March. I mean, that was where I was hedging. I was thinking to myself, maybe we can get some small collection of fans for games in March, but I don't, I don't see it until April at the earliest for Philadelphia. Um, if it happens before then, I think it's great. That's great that we can start bringing, you know, three, 4,000 people into the building. Um, I, I, I'm, although the league protocols haven't come down yet, I, I'm pretty confident we're going to be there um, for what it's worth. Uh, I don't know what the setup's going to be. Um, we may be doing a press row show from two different parts of press row. <laughs> so, so uh, you're on mute. Um, <laughs> unmute yourself there if, Russ. yeah sorry <laughs> if they go with what the Sixers setup has been it'll be long tables throughout the entire lower bowl that's that are obviously spread out six or, or more feet it will be funny though because the idea of uh some of our colleagues on press row having to deal with you and i yelling at each other across the uh the ice i wouldn't be surprised if just for fun the PR staff decided that you and I have to sit on opposite ends. Like that's our punishment. They're going to like do the old teacher classroom management <laughs> tactic of the four corners. It's like me and you are in two corners. They'll have to probably put Wayne fish in one of the other ones and Rob parent in the other one there as well. Go. And um, I don't know where Gelson's going to be. They might have to put him in the, uh, uh, in the visitors uh, locker room or something. Yeah. I, I don't know if they can trust. I'm, him. I'm curious to see what they do. It's in, it's and this is inside hockey stuff. And I don't know if enough, the audience cares too much, um, but I, I, I'm going to be interested to see if they do move us down lower in the arena, or if they still keep us upstairs and just spread us out more only because hockey, unlike basketball is better viewed from above than closer in. Um, and of course, the hockey rink is bigger than the basketball court. So, and there's glass, and you know you don't want to put us too low so that you can't see through the glass and stuff like that. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, wh you would also we, think that the 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 lack of it of exposure risk if we're up high versus being down near the staff, yeah. uh, being down near the players. And of course, they have those beautiful lounges and everything. The uh, was it the Bet Rivers Lounge that yeah. was up there, and some of the other areas that they finished off. So I don't know. I mean, they they clearly have setups. We saw it before. You and I walked that terrace a, a few times last year uh, as we were getting ready for our no pucks given food review show, which I certainly hope gets to uh, make return, return this point. season. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, there there's definitely space there. Um, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with. Um, you know, practice availability, that's been a thing, you know, um, to give people an idea La when they, when they shut things down, uh, for the most part to the media, um, last season, they only allowed a few outlets in, and it was typically reserved just for the, the most, I don't know, like the beat guys. Right. And it was a very limited number of people. So our access at that point had been kind of limited. Uh, they did just release all the protocols and everything. They did release everything. Uh, for the NHL media. So 
we'll see how that kind of stuff goes. The one thing that I think is probably safe to say is for people who enjoy listening to this show because we have good access of getting players on and getting executives on and coaches on, I don't think any of that is going to change this season. The only difference is that we're not going to get to sit across from them at a table. We'll just be sitting on the other side of a camera, probably on Zoom. But I fully expect that we will have people on this season uh, for some extended interviews, uh, kind of in, in Snow the Goalie fashion. And you and I have bantered about a few names that I think would be of great interest to the people. So uh, we won't announce any of those now, but I would yeah. certainly say to, to keep an eye out. Yeah, no, I think it'll be, I think it'll be, uh, it'll definitely be a different way of covering the team this year. Um, kind of similar to what we did in the summer. Um, but at the same time, I, I think it's going to still be beneficial. It's still going to be fun. Um, and it's, it's going it, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I really am. I'm, I'm excited that, you know, we're, we're going to have some hockey again. I mean, we had hockey for a month in the last nine, right? So yep. one of the last nine months had hockey and it was important. Hockey it was playoff hockey. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like, man, we've, we've missed hockey. Like, where's it been? Um, so it'll, it'll be kind of cool to, to have it even in a, in a slightly different fashion. Um, I don't know if you were sad at all. Uh, if, if you ever get these popping up at like the, the one year ago on like Facebook and Twitter and you see like what, what you'd put out. And like, I keep getting all this stuff from like flyers games. Uh, we're not that far past when the flyers, I think it was the 17th is when the flyers honored um, Oscar Lindblom just after his cancer diagnosis, mm -hmm. where they had all the signs, the, we stand for Oscar with the, um, the purple bracelets and everything uh, that were going around. So uh, that's going to be a cool moment, by the way, if you think about like the, the, the moments that I wish that we would get to experience with a, an arena full of people. I think Oscar Lindblom taking to the ice for the first time uh, is a moment that is going to still be special. It's going to still be a moment that is going to resonate with people across the hockey world. I do wish that he'd get to experience uh, the appreciation and the, the love of the fans. I guess at the same time, whenever fans are, are allowed back in, he's certainly going to, to get all that love, but um that is a that is a moment that I, I kind of wish he'd get to experience with a, a packed arena. He certainly has earned it. Uh, Why don't we get to your uh, questions yeah. and comments section since we've been yes, rolling sir. Here for a little while? So I put on Instagram at Snow the Goalie, uh, the only Flyers podcast Instagram account. Uh, I put up a number of questions, put them out to the people, um, along with the clip of uh, Mr. Carcidi. Uh, and they went a little something like this. First question was, who will break camp as the Flyers 3C? Now, Instagram doesn't let me do uh, more than two options. So these are going to, there's one that's repetitive here. I gave Nolan Patrick and Morgan Frost. Uh, two thirds of voters said Nolan Patrick over Morgan Frost. The follow-up was who will finish at 3C? Scott Law or who will finish camp uh, and enter the season at 3C? Scott Lawton or other? Uh, it was 90% uh, of the votes went to Scott Lawton versus other. Uh, the next question was, who will wait be... Second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What? 90% of the people think Lawton... You didn't pay attention be... to the initial thing. Yep. I missed so the initial it, thing. It, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't let me... Options, only two. So it was the same question twice. So the percentages, it was 90-10. But he's not going to be the 3C. No, I know. I'm saying it was split up over two questions. So the Nolan Patrick Morgan Frost was the first half and then Scott and other was the, the second one. So between Scott Lawton and other, it was, yeah. But 
who will be on the top pair with whoops there we go who will be on the top pair with Ivan Provorov uh we got these following answers Justin Braun Phil Myers uh was the pretty much consensus number one uh Shane Gostisbehere got a few votes but it was mostly Phil Myers there was one vote for Travis Sanheim one vote for Justin Braun I do not see a scenario in which we see Justin Braun at uh, on the top pair um Travis Sanheim was asked about this yesterday. He uh, he he kind of tiptoed around it. I think he doesn't really consider himself to be in consideration. Phil Myers was very confident uh, in today's availability. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, but I I was actually pretty impressed with his response uh, about the possibility of of pairing with uh, with Ivan Provorov. Well, I think he answered it the way he's supposed to answer it, right? I mean, saying you know, hey, I you know, I'm just going to work hard to you know earn earn that spot. Um, I think that the teams probably said to him, there's an opportunity there for you. I don't think that they've said to him, it's yours. Take it kid. Right. And I think it's, I think that they're suggesting there is a possibility that he could have it. Um, they did tell him that he's going to play more on the PK. See the, see the difference between the two. So one, they said, you're going to play more on the PK. Okay, great. So he knows he's going to get more penalty kill time. The other, they say, well, there's an opportunity. They want to see if you can earn that spot. So they want to see you improve your play enough to earn that top pair uh, spot. Um, could he potentially? Sure. But keep in mind, Chuck Fletcher said last week that he really likes him paired with Sanheim. And so when you hear the general manager come out and say that, it makes you almost think they're not going to start the season that way. They're going to, I mean, with uh, Myers on the top pair. It, when the general manager says that, it almost makes me think, Sanheim and Myers are going to start as your second pair. That doesn't mean Myers can't eventually earn his way over the course of the season onto that top pairing, but it would not surprise me to see either Gustafson or even Braun playing with Provorov or even Gostaspear for that matter, depending on the matchup, playing with Provorov um, until later in the season. I think you're going to start the season – Sanheim Myers is your second pair. The next question that was brought up, will Chuck Fletcher make a trade before the start of the regular season? 87% of responding people on Instagram said no. And then the final question was, uh, which prospect will impress the most at camp? Morgan Frost, Igor Zamula, Tanner Lisinski, and um, Wade Allison. Um, based on a uh, non-counting, it was mostly... Uh, Zamula and Lazinski that people are uh, uh, big believers in. Frost really didn't get that many votes, which I thought was a little bit surprising. And then somebody threw in the idea of Isaac Ratcliffe making a, uh, a big impression in camp. So is this, when you say biggest impression, were you going for just in camp or over the course of the full in season? Camp. Who's going to be happy? just in camp? Just in camp. I'm not sure Zamula is going to get enough opportunity in camp to make that big of an impression um, just because of where he sits on the depth chart at this point. And they're, yeah. they're trying to put a new first pair together. I, I don't see it. I don't see him having the opportunity, the real opportunity to make an impression. Um, I think Allison and Lachinsky will have an opportunity to make an impression. Um to, they have an opportunity to make this team and be fourth line, third, fourth line guys. 
Um, I also also think Linus uh, or Linus Sandin. I forget which. There's two. There's two of them on this team, uh, on uh, this depth chart. One's a Linus and the other's a Linus, <laughs> um, spelt the same way. Uh, the other one was the uh, draft pick, the defenseman that they that uh, Hogberg, right? I think yeah. Ho- Hogberg is a Linus. Hogberg. Let me correct Hogberg. your pronunciation now. I think I believe it's Hogberg. Yeah, not Goldberg. He's a, he might be a Linus, and Sandine is a Linus. Spelt the same way, pronounced differently. I apologize if I'm getting him wrong. But I think Sandine is another guy who could come in um, and, and earn a spot, and, and you know, really, uh, you know, be a be that camp darling who ends up on the roster. So um, let me throw. Let me throw out some of the numbers to you from Twitter because I put the same questions on Twitter and I obviously have the ability to put four options out and it's easier to count. Uh, who will break campus 3C? 51% said Nolan Patrick, 43% said Scott Lawton, 5% said Morgan Frost, and 1% said Other. Who will end camp on the top pair with Provorov? 68% said Phil Myers, 19% said Travis Sanheim, 12% said Shane Gostaspare, 1% said Other. Which prospect will impress the I most? I think that might the- be the 1%. Really? Yes, I do. I do. I do think that's the 1%. Uh, Somebody, uh, the one about the prospects, 38% said Morgan Frost, 36% said Zamula, 13% uh, each for Lezinski, Lechinski, and uh, 13% for Allison. So they were a dead heat. Will Fletcher make a move before the deadline? 92% said no. Um, Before the deadline or before the season? Sorry, before before the season. Sorry. That's that's, that's fair. Okay. Um, let me throw this out to you because we're at that point of the show where it's time for everybody's favorite new segment oh. on Snow the Goalie. Know the Goalie! Oh, yes! Know the Goalie. Everybody's favorite recurring segment here on the program. We wanted to have one Ex- recurring except segment. Except for mine. <laughs> And uh, you have not done well at this all year. You did have one. I threw you a softball because I had it teed up for Frank Saravalli last week from TSN. Um, This one is an easy one. You should get this. I will be not only surprised if you don't get it, I'll be disappointed if you don't get it. All right. Back in 2014, it was January of 2014, an NHL goalie recorded the most saves in a regular season shutout. How many saves and who was the goalie? Wow. I can give you clues. Don't look it up. I'm not looking it up. Um, so 2014. Uh, so is this a Flyers game? It is not. What did not include? Did not include? It the was Flyers. a Western so, Conference. It was a Western Conference goalie against another Western Conference team. Hmm. You keep telling me if you want a clue, and I'll keep throwing clues out to you. Yeah, all right. Um, well, I mean, obviously, I, I'm trying to think. I will of- tell you that this guy, this guy, isn't somebody that um, had like a, a ridiculously noteworthy career, but it's not like the guy that I gave you that only ever played in three games. This guy <laughs> played parts. This guy played parts of uh, five seasons in the NHL. In addition to this Western Conference team that he played for. He played for one other Western Conference team and two Eastern Conference teams, including the Maple Leafs and the Canadiens. This is supposed to be easy? Yeah. 
it's not like an obscure stat. It's the most saves in a regular season shutout. Yeah. Um, but if you're talking about a guy who only had a, a short career. Um, All right. Do you want another clue? Yeah. I'm going to have to get another clue because I, I don't 2014 yeah. goalie short career. He played for the Edmonton Oilers. Oh my God. Back then they had like rotating goalies. Mm-hmm. They had so many goalies. They even had Briz at one point. Remember that? Do you remember Briz playing? I know Briz isn't the answer because yeah, he wasn't with Briz. Edmonton. And, huh? It's he it's not, not Briz, right? No, because Briz Briz was um, Briz was with. Uh, I don't think he was with the. I think he was still with the Flyers at that point. As a matter of fact. Do you want me to just give you the answer? All right. Give me give me one more clue give me one more clue I, I have no idea who this could possibly uh, be his his first name rhymes with Ren <laughs> first name was Ben Ben he said this guy's name when I say it to you is going to sound like somebody who should have been in uh, Christmas Carol of course everyone knows Everybody's favorite native son of Spruce Grove, Alberta, Canada. None other than Ben Scrivens. Yes, Ben, ben Scrivens. Scrivens. <laughs> ben Scrivens. That's right. He played for the Maple Leafs. He played 32 total games for the uh, the Maple Leafs. <laughs> then he moved on to the Kings and was uh, a midseason acquisition by the Edmonton Oilers in the 13-14 season. He then started 57 games, or sorry, he played 57 games. He started 53 games uh, that season for the Oilers, and then he uh, finished his career in 15-16 with the Canadiens playing in 15 games. So as I look this up now, I was wrong. Briz did play on the team that year. Really? He On Edmonton that year, yeah. Uh him and Scrivens were two of six different goalies to play for Edmonton in 2014, along with Devin Dubnik, Victor Fost, Richard Bachman, who for you uh, uh, horror fans was the nom de plume of Stephen King, um, and Jason LaBarbera, for those of you who remember from... Um, NHL, what video game version was that? Where La Barbera was on the Rangers. I want to say NHL 04 or 05. And the announcer, the way he said his name was La Barbera, like really loud. But I think it was really his pronounced. Barbera is the best. Yeah, yeah, but I think it was really pronounced La Barbara was his real okay. pronunciation. But the, but the announcer in NHL 2004, Four or 2005, whatever year it was, uh, would say La Barbera. So I like it. Yeah. So six different goalies for the Edmonton Oilers that year. Ben, how was that easy? Did you, did you ben have, Scrivens. did you actually, did you see how many saves he had? Uh, I did. I not. have it. I'm, I did. I right, take a guess. How many saves did he have? Was Most. it a, re, was it regulation or overtime? Um, I believe it was a regulation game. Okay. Um, it's got to be in the fifties. It's got to be in the fifties. It is in the fifties. Yeah. Um, Fifty-six. More. 
Really? 58. More. 59 saves. 59 saves. Wow. In a regular season shutout. Yeah. That's crazy. crazy. And you know what's funny? That is crazy. So, like, like I mentioned before, so this is January of 2014. He was a midseason acquisition. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be an Edmonton fan who finally, after like writing this uh, carousel, it's like, oh my God, this guy had 59 saves in a shutout. Goalie of the future. And then he goes back out and starts 53 games for the team the next year, and then he's gone. So Ben Scrivens, that is the answer to this week's Know the Goalie, the best segment of the Only Flyers podcast. I'm glad I'm glad we got to share that moment together, me and you. One, one more time. Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, Anthony, anything else you want to plug or that you want to touch on before we head out, before uh, we get excited and, and razzed up for – a training camp, an abbreviated training camp before the return of hockey. No, Russ, but I, I do want to say, I mean, you know, this is the end of 2020 for us. Um, and <clears throat> when you think about it, you know, we've been at this now for since what, March of 2018. So we're pushing three years now, bud, uh, putting this putting this show on, uh, which is pretty, pretty incredible. So um yeah just uh just kind of like looking forward to 2021 where we can you know get back out of the uh out of out of our homes and and watch hockey and enjoy it together well it has been a very interesting two and a half ish years wow we really are going on three years aren't we yeah that's crazy that is absolutely nuts it's been a, a wild ride it's been a lot of fun we've watched our numbers continue to grow every year uh, we had people requesting us to go try food for No Pucks Given, the food review show, which we hope we'll be able to make a return at some point this season. The Press Row show, there was a, a tweet that came from our uh, uh, fellow Press Row uh, writer, Aaron Bracey, who asked, uh, is the Press Row show going to be coming back this year? It will. Uh, we will adapt to whatever the situation is. If we are limited to have only one of us in the arena at a time, then one of us will check in from the arena with a mask on. One of us will check in from a basement. If we're both there and we're across the arena from each other, we will make that work. If neither of us huh. are there for some reason, we will make that work. What were you going to say? We got more NHL breaking news as this is happening. As you're oh, giving this, this has nothing, again, nothing to do with the Flyers, but I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, just posted on Instagram, literally seconds oh, ago. I, I just see it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Zdeno Chara will not return to Boston. Um, he sent out a thank you Boston video and uh, put like a whole goodbye thing to them. Yeah. Um, it you doesn't say that he's retiring. No, you see where he's going, right? So, you no, see where what, he's going. Where does it say? Zdeno Chara has signed with the Washington Capitals. Oh, I missed that. There you go. The Washington Capitals. Interesting. That's, that is a very interesting signing. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that there would have been something really uh, interesting and, and sort of uh, ironically beautiful about Lundqvist and Chara both playing for the Caps in the same season. By the way, I think we brought this up last week. Um, Henrik Lundqvist has the, uh, the, the heart issue that's going to cause him to miss uh, the entire season. He's having, he's having open heart surgery. Yeah. So it, it, it got really serious really fast. Um, so, you know, any, uh, any thoughts you can have for the guy? Uh, I know that he was a division rival 
Uh, I don't think many people ever had anything bad to say about Lundqvist as a, as a human being. They just were frustrated that the Flyers uh, seemingly always struggled against him. But open heart surgery, it's going to include an aortic valve replacement, aortic root, and ascending aortic replacement. That I don't know how serious that is. We, we do happen to have investor Jeff. We can ask him uh, in our Slack chat how serious of a surgery, but it's open heart surgery. So we will assume that that is uh, a, a serious situation. So um, here's a real question. If this was caught uh, as part of his physical with the caps, had he not left, had he been uh, re-signed by the Rangers, would this have been a condition that they wouldn't have caught? Well, we, every we've team, seen every things team, like this before. Yeah, but you know, I know we, we you know, if you go back to the Eagles um, with uh, John Dorenboss, John Dorenboss, you know, that was a mid, that was in a trade, and they had already he had already conducted his physical with the Eagles and went to New Orleans and then they, their uh, physical identified it. I, I would, I would like to think that if he stayed with the Rangers, when he arrived in camp on January 3rd, that they would have found it in their internal physical, but you're right. I mean, you never know. You never know. I would, you would like to think that, you know, the Rangers physical would have identified it as well, but. We'll see. One, one, one never knows, I guess, at that point. We did get a bunch of listener questions. Maybe we'll come back uh, at the start of next week and, and we'll address some of these. I don't think that any of them are, are extremely time sensitive. We'll make sure that we have a record of it because it's a lot of questions about expectations and such. I think uh, getting a, a week of camp or even a few days of camp covered in and under our belts will give us a better idea of where this team is. We will continue to cover uh, every press availability that will be coming out for the Flyers. Uh, leading up to and through camp. Follow us over on Twitter at Ant San Philly, at Joy on Broad, at Snow the Goalie. We'll uh, do the best that we can, working other jobs to uh, live transcribe everything as it happens. Uh, of course, Anthony's going to be ramping up his written coverage of the team over on CrossingBroad.com. And we will be doing everything we can in our power to give you even more expanded coverage of the orange and black this year. It's going to be an exciting season. We're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to doing this and taking this ride with everyone else uh, into 2021. So for Anthony, who you can find on Twitter and Instagram at Ant San Philly, I'm Russ at joy on broad. Again, follow us Twitter, Instagram at snow, the goalie and facebook.com slash snow, the goalie, let your friends, let your family, let everyone know that is a Flyers fan about Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. And uh, if you're bored, go back in the archives. Don't forget, from this past year, we have interviews with Chris Pronger, Mike Knubel. We had Prop. We had Poulin. We had Ed. Uh, we had Hitchcock. We had uh, Craig Berube. In the past, we've had Bobby Clark, Ron Hextall, Elaine Vigneault, Travis Konechny before his all-star selection. There's a lot of good stuff to go back in the archives and listen to. So if you're new to the show, you're new to following us, by all means, make sure you go back. You can listen to those. You can go look for them on youtube.com slash crossing broad. They're in their own channel of uh, video interviews. Many of them are on video. You can go back and watch those. Watch them on your beautiful big screen TV. Watch them on your tablet, on your phone and uh, subscribe. We are available on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts. Google play music has been uh, phased out. So I don't actually know if they're going to uh, move all this over to YouTube music or not. Um, iHeartRadio, wherever else you get your podcasts. For Anthony, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again next week. We're getting closer to that ever-elusive opening day of hockey, and it will be a good season. Talk to you next week.